Come on. Good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Pearlside Downtown. We are so blessed to see your beautiful faces here. Even if you don't feel beautiful, God made you. You are beautiful. Amen. So even the, the body that you are wrapped in, there's something about that that, that speaks of God's love. And, and that's what we are in in this series in the month of December, Wrapped in Love. And we are so excited about this because oftentimes Christmas can be such a distracting season. It could be such a, a busy season. But what we want to do is bring back the truth and the simplicity of what Christmas it means and the significance of Christmas, and that is Jesus. And that's why I love our worship team because, you know, the, the sermon doesn't just start when I get up to preach. Worship doesn't end when I get up to preach. But really, all throughout the service, it is one thing. It's all about Jesus. It's all about His Word, and His Word is praised and sung. And then even as we receive His Word, it's, He's also being worshipped. Isn't that amazing? Because sometimes we like to compartmentalize things. And see how I just unwrapped what service is? And so that's what we want to do with the essence of Christmas. We want to unwrap, see what Christmas is all about. And many of us, we know. And I told the team this this morning as I was, um, we were huddled up together and we're preparing for all of you to worship together with you. I said, you know, today's message, it's like watching your favorite movie. And even though you know the story, many of you who've been walking with God for years, it's one of those movies you can watch over and over again. And instead of it getting more boring, it gets better and better and better. And that's what it's about with the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So that's what we're doing this month. We are excited about this series, Wrapped in Love. And today we're going to be talking about how Jesus was born in love. And so if you can turn with me to Scripture in Luke chapter 2, looking at the birth of Jesus, we're going to jump to verse 4 and read to 14. It says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. Pausing here real quick, you know, the, the fact that Jesus was born on this earth and the significance of these things that I'm, we're seeing here in Scripture about Joseph, the father of Jesus, of course, he's betrothed to be married to Mary, but Jesus is, Joseph is not his actual father, but it was prophesied that he would be born in the line of David. So that's the significance of that. And it was also prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So here, Scripture is not just giving arbitrary details. But from the beginning, God had a plan. And so all these prophecies are being fulfilled at this very moment at the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as we continue in verse 5, it says, He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Remember that. Verse 6 then says, While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. I love this. If you're new here and you're afraid to be in church, 
That's what the angels of the Lord are saying to you right now. Do not be afraid. But the news that you hear is good news for all the people, including you, every single one of us. Everyone say, all All the people. people. Now look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. So this is good news causing great joy for all the people. And all the people doesn't just mean the people of Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. But even to us who continue to receive this message today, no matter how new you are or how many times you've heard it, it constantly causes good news and joy for all the people. And if you're new and you're wondering, what, what, what is that joy? We're going to get there in a moment. So it causes great joy for all the people. Verse 11 then says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby, again, this word wrapped, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Let's go ahead and pray for that, to receive God's word, God's favor, God's peace. His favor is resting right now, right here on each and every one of us. So Father God, we thank you, Lord, that what was great news then is great news today. And we thank you, Lord God, that it is not just ordinary news. This is supernatural, Lord God. And so we pray for your supernatural work to work in our hearts as we receive your living word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the first thing I want to point out as we're looking at Luke chapter 2 is the fact that this is not an ordinary birth. It says here, uh, when we're looking, I believe, verse 5 in Luke 2, Joseph was betrothed to be married to Mary, who was expecting a child. Okay, so if we don't understand the significance of this, we can pause and be like, okay, wait. Either one, they did something together they shouldn't have done before they were married, or two, Mary did something together with someone that was not her fiancé and not her husband, which is even more scandalous. And so can you imagine, men, if you had a fiancé and you're about to get married and she goes up to you, you've been keeping yourselves pure, and she's like, I'm pregnant. Man, what would happen, right? In another account of the Gospels in Matthew, an angel had to appear to Joseph to say, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed, but this woman truly is pregnant with the Son of God. It was, it was an immaculate conception. It was a supernatural work. Through the power of the Holy Spirit working in Mary's womb, she became pregnant. So Jesus is born of a virgin birth. And that is quite significant because it speaks of the divinity of God. Never in history has this ever happened and never will it ever happen again. And so it speaks of the divinity of Christ. That, that when we talk about wrapped in love, what wrapped in love really is, it, we didn't want to call it the incarnation, uh, the, the series or the message. You'd be like, oh, I don't want to come to that. <laughs> what does that mean? But incarnation really is uh, another uh, term. When you realize what is the incarnation of God, it's being wrapped in love. It's Jesus coming, God being covered in flesh, being fully God yet fully man. And then in verse 14 of Luke chapter 2, the angels themselves declare that he is the Messiah. Messiah means chosen one. And I already talked about some of the prophecies, but Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies of the coming one. 
The Jewish people are looking for this Savior. And here is this moment in history where the Savior has come and the Savior is born. So he is the Messiah. He is Lord, the angel declares. Lord means God, the Lord of Lords. And so one thing we want to uncover here, unwrap, is the truth that Jesus is not just a man. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a miracle worker. He's not just a humanitarian, you know, that cares for the needs of the, the poor and those that are hurting. He did all those things. But make no mistake, Jesus is God. And that before even Jesus was born, he was there with God. So Jesus is God, the Son, and God the Father sent his Son as a message of love to the world, wrapped in love. So the question now is, why did Jesus come? As God, he is God, why was he here? And so God brought Jesus to be near to us. God brought Jesus to be near to us, Jesus didn't come because he wanted to just check on things like a foreman and a supervisor. Man, things, don't, things aren't going well here, you know, and start scolding people and yelling people at the job site. Hey, lazy, get up from taking a nap. This world is falling apart. What's wrong with you humans? Now, he didn't come to explore the seas of Galilee, you know, feel the sand beneath his toes. Like, wow, this is pretty good. I like being a human. You know, look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? No, just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. I have kids, okay? So Little Mermaid's a big deal in my house. Jesus came to be near to us. And, and so what is the point of God being near to us? Well, um, right now, you know, one of our leaders and, and serve team members, Jacob, I think he's on his way back from the Big Island as we speak. He's going to be at the second service. The reason why he's at the Big Island right now is he went to go look at the lava flow. You know, many of us, we've been fixated on the news or looking at the dramatic images where you can see snow on one mountain, on Mauna Loa, and then we see snow on the other, I mean, fire and magma on the other. It's like, wow, that is amazing, God. And so he just went to the Big Island uh, to just get away a few months ago. And he told me as I was having lunch with him that that just helped him realize even more of the beauty and the power of God. And there's a lot of things we can learn about God from just looking at the creation of God. And it says so in the book of Romans, that God reveals his nature through creation. But yet, that only can take us to a certain extent. When we want to get to know somebody, and if they are not near us, we can read about them, we can watch them, but it's not until they come near to us that we get to really know them. And that is the point. The whole point of our very existence is to know God. And that's why you hear Lexan every week say it with passion because that's what we believe here in this church. We were born to know God, but how do we get to know someone that's not here? And that's why God sent Jesus wrapped in love for us to get to know him personally. But the beauty is God doesn't just want to get to know us. He wants to help us. So Jesus comes near to help us. And that's good news. As we look at Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, referring to Jesus, who has ascended into heaven. Okay, so one, some of us are wondering, well, if Jesus is real and Jesus came near to us as people, why isn't Jesus still here on this earth? Here is the answer for those of us who are wondering. 
He ascended to heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace, everyone say this, to help us in our time of need. So Jesus came so that we can approach him and God to help us in our time of need. So Jesus came not to just come and, and make us feel bad about ourselves and feel, you know, re be reminded of our shortcomings. But he lived the very life and walked this earth just as we are living this life right now. And I love it that the help is not just some arbitrary help. Because how many of us, we have people in our lives, well-meaning people that want to help us. And they're, you know, in our mind, if we could be honest with them, if you want to help me, stay away from me. Right? Sometimes when you're going through a situation, like uh, for us married couples, if you're, if you're struggling in your marriage and you have a single guy at work, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, just like not even married or, or gone through broken relationships and they're trying to give you advice, you just want to tune them out. You're like, what you're saying is not helping. Can you make your mouth stop moving, please? <laughs> and, and, you know, I've been married for 16 years. And it's such a joy to be able to grow with my wife. And one of the things that I've seen and the things that I've gone through with my wife, I love being able to just, from my experience and my wisdom, be able to help other married men as well. Before, though, when I first got married, I remember when, when other young marrieds would come up to me, like, Pastor, I'm struggling in my marriage. And I looked at them, I'm like, me too. Pastor, I don't know what to do. I'm like, me too. Pastor, my wife is crazy. Mine too. <laughs> But you know what? To my wife's defense, I was crazy as well, okay? It's two crazy people being together. It's the beauty of God, what God does. But now, but now, after 16 years of marriage, because I've gone through 16 years, and I've seen what God's done, and I've seen how God has grown both of us, and I've seen how because we didn't give up on God, He gave us the strength to not give up on our marriage. I'm able to speak truth and life into other couples, into other married men. I'm able to breathe hope into them. Hey, you know what? I made it. You can make it through. And that's exactly why Jesus, in verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 4, we just looked at, we can put that back up. He went through every temptation but did not sin. And it also says that in our weaknesses, he can empathize with us. He gets it. He doesn't just know from afar in heaven, watching on Zoom, earth. But he's been here. And so, again, I want to echo to those of you who are watching online, thank God Jesus didn't just zoom in his love. God didn't just zoom in his love. But he came near. And so I know, I know some of you have extraordinary circumstances where you can't come near. I get that. But there's something about coming near and experiencing the presence of what God is doing. And that's what Jesus has done for us. He gets everything that we're going through. He went through loss. He went through betrayal. He went through pain. Everything that we experience in this life, everything maybe we're even carrying right now that's 
we're trying to focus on the message. At the same time, we're worried about certain things in our life. Jesus has gone through all these things. And so what does that same passage in Hebrews say? Knowing that Jesus has gone through it, he's able to empathize with us, that he's able to offer help in our time of need. But what precedes that? What precedes the help in time of need? It's holding steadfast to our faith and being able to confidently approach his throne. And that's where I feel like many of us, sometimes we're missing this. We talk about unwrapping Christmas. Maybe sometimes we're not confident in approaching Jesus for help because one, maybe we feel like we've been let down. Maybe we feel like we've called out to God for help before, and we called, I'm in a valley. Valley represents a low place, a a moment of trial, moment of difficulty. I'm in this valley, God, why won't you take me out of the valley? And we're stuck in the valley, and we've approached Jesus for help. And we think, God, I thought you loved me. Why am I still in this mess? And the answer we get might not be the answer we're looking for. And sometimes, you know, in our lives, we get gifts in our life, and it's wrapped in a beautiful package, and we think, man, there's going to be an amazing gift in here, and we open it up, and we're underwhelmed, and it's not what we thought we were going to get. And uh, many years ago, when my wife and I were expecting our fourth child, uh, one Christmas, this is crazy, like, my wife's opening up a box from her dad. And there were car keys in it. It's like a movie. And he's like, go to the garage. We're like, what? We look at each other. Our jaws drop. We couldn't believe it. And we go to his garage, and there is a brand new minivan. (laughs) My wife and I, we were like, oh, no. (laughs) What do we do? Because we thought it was going to be a third-row SUV right? Something just like, like a, a man van. That's what you call an SUV. But even my wife, my wife at that time, she could not see herself in a minivan. I could not see me. You know, Pastor Norman, he says, I'm Mr. Fast and Furious, right? Like, can you imagine Paul Walker, Vin Diesel driving around in a minivan? That would not make for a very exciting movie. You know, I'm all about the handling, the speed, and that's, none of that's found in a minivan. So what do you do, right? Like, her dad wanted to bless us. It was an extraordinary blessing. We were beyond shocked. But it's not what we wanted. But after, with our fourth child in tow, we realized it's what we needed. And the beauty of that is, you know, the funny thing is, fast forward, uh, many years later, we're able to, like, okay, now our kids are older. We can go get a, a third row SUV. And then shortly after getting it, we're like, what did we do? Because we missed the van doors. It's so amazing. It's magic, especially when you have the remote. And you can just press the button. The van doors open like that. You know, take that, Elon, Tesla. This is the original. You don't need the go-wing doors. You got van doors that slide open. They greet you. No, but the reason why van doors are huge is because when you have kids and you're trying to already battle Costco parking line, it's crazy right? You, you, you're in tight stalls sometimes. But not only that, but after we got our SUV, um, my youngest got hit in the head by the car door. And we're like, okay, we are getting a van again. <laughs> so we're back to that van life. 
For those of us that have a minivan, we get it, man. Van life, once you go van, you never go back. <laughs> you never go back again. <laughs> so the, the point of that is sometimes when we get things, we, we are underwhelmed or we don't understand what it's about and it's not what we want, but we don't realize it's what we need. And for Jesus, some of us, we stop crying out and, and asking him for help because his help, we're thinking, oh, this is not what I wanted. I wanted you to take me out of the trial, take me out of the valley. But in scripture, it's very clear. He walks us through the valley. That with him, he will never fail us. He will never forsake us. So no matter what we're going through right now, maybe it's financial difficulty. Maybe it's some health crisis. Maybe it's some relational struggle. Maybe right in our very own marriage or household. He will walk us through it. He will give us the strength, the grace, and the mercy in the time of help and need. He will give it to us as we continue to walk with Him. And that is the significance of why He came here on this earth. It's to demonstrate that I am here. I am with you. I'm walking with you through this valley. And the amazing thing as we continue to walk with Him, this is very clear. That what's on the other side is always salvation. He didn't come to just help us. He came to save us. I'm not sure how many of you have ever experienced moments where you cried out for help and, and you're in that dire situation and you need help and someone comes and saves you. Um, I, I've had a few of those moments at the gym. And I know like some of you are looking, you go to the gym? Don't judge me, okay? This is a loose-fitting shirt. <laughs> on purpose. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, there was a time where I, I won't name the gym. I used to go to the gym and uh, I don't go anymore because, you know, you can't rip off a Chinese man. And during the pandemic, this gym wasn't open and they kept charging me and they even raised my, they raised my rates. They raised my rates during the pandemic when you couldn't even go to the gym. I'm like, that's it. I'm canceling this membership. I couldn't believe it. But, but I, what I really miss about the gym was I used to go with Dr. Pastor Billy Lyle. Like him and I, we'd hit the gym three times a week, and we loved it. It was our time to connect, and, but more than connecting, we were able to push each other. And there are times where I'm failing, my muscles giving out. I'm like, help! You know, and he, he sees it. He sees the struggle. He sees my strength give out. And so he's there, and he's shouting this. It's all you, man. It's all you. Veins popping out of neck. Veins popping out of my neck. He's helping me lift that bar off of me, right? And it's all you. Come on, but it's really all him. Like I have no strength left, and then I see it because he's like, he's a strong dude. He's like helping me get it up, and then he gets it and re-racks it. But and that's what it looks like in life. There are times where we're carrying weight, and we think we can do it by ourselves. But with Jesus, he is always there to help us. No matter what weight we are carrying, with him, it will never, ever crush us. But the greatest weight that we ever carry is the weight of sin. The guilt and the shame that comes from the things we've done in the past. See, some of us, we're, we have this religious mentality where we think that, you know, sin is just bad because God said so. No, because God loves us, sin is bad because it causes guilt and shame to come into our lives. And we were never meant to carry that weight. 
And so we talked earlier about Jesus being the high priest in Hebrews chapter 4. As we go to Hebrews 9, it continues to refer to Jesus as our high priest. And why is it talking about that? Well, a, a priest is meant to be a mediator, someone that is a go-between between a, a deity and the people, right? For us, we know Jesus is not only God, but he was fully man, and he went through every temptation and trial and struggle. And the reason why he did all that is to be the perfect life that we could not live so that when he died for us on our behalf, he could offer the perfect sacrifice. And that's what we're going to read right now in Hebrews chapter 11. Or sorry, Hebrews chapter 9. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood, not his own. And that's referring to the sacrifice of an animal. Um, and then verse 26 says, For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is so beautiful. As we continue to hold fast, steadfast to our faith, not only does he save us of our sins, but there's a time where Jesus is going to physically come back here on this earth, even though he's not here right now. He's going to come back again. And those who are patiently, eagerly waiting for him, he's going to come and bring a second salvation. So no matter what we're going through, we can count on him. Because he is not just a God. He is the God. He's God. But he's a God that has come near that can relate to everything we're going through. And in Luke chapter 2, our, our opening passage this morning, it was mentioned twice. And twice, that, that means it's significant for Scripture to have men mentioned it more than once, that he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now, he was born in a manger. So it's not like Kapiolani Hospital where there's perfect swaddling, clean, sanitized cloths for babies to be wrapped in and to be swaddled in. As a father of four, I remember that, like learning how to make baby burritos, you know? And Jesus was wrapped in the swaddling cloths that theologians and scholars believe were that for lamb, baby lambs that were born. They'd wrap them up to protect them. Now, why would Jesus be wrapped in animal cloths? Because he is the perfect sacrifice. Not only is, the, is he the high priest making the sacrifice for us, on behalf of us, he is the high priest that he himself became the one and only sacrifice ever needed. And so when Jesus comes to help us, he doesn't just help us, he helps us in the most ultimate way we can ever imagine, and that's to save us. Save us now from our sins and save us even for all eternity when he comes back. And 
as I was reading about the swaddling cloths, theologians also believe that it's probably even a similar cloth used for burial. Can you imagine the audacity, right? A, a, a baby just being born, being wrapped in burial cloths. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born to die. And as a father of four, I can't imagine the love of God sending his son, his only son. I have four kids. I would not, like, there's not one kid I don't like, okay? And be like, oh, you can take that one. Out of my four kids, I can't imagine losing a single one. But God has one son, but yet he loves us so much that wrapped in love, he sent his son to us. Wrapped in burial cloths. And I almost lost the child when my son was first born uh, over 10 years ago. And he almost died. And I remember going through that and thinking, God, this is unreal. Like how you sent your son on a rescue mission knowing that your son was going to die. But the reason why I'm sharing this is because, you know, during that time with the chaos and the emotions, my wife and I, we were, we were just going through so much. And we had friends in the church. Um, you know, I mentioned Pastor Billy coming. And the first people to come to visit us was our good friends, Jericho and Michelle, who are leaders in this church. And I remember they were texting and like, can we come and pray for you? Can we visit? And this is where my son's fighting for his life. We didn't know if he was going to live or die. My wife and I, we were in a world, our world was upside down. We didn't really want to see people at the time. We were in confusion, and we were thinking, no, you know what? We're, we're good. We're good. You don't need to come. But you know, if you know Michelle and Jericho, they came anyways. They came anyways. And I remember they texted me, hey, we're here. So I, I went into the hallway to meet them. And as they started approaching, I felt just tears start welling up in my eyes. And then Jericho comes and just gives me a huge hug. And in that moment, tears became just a flood, a gush of emotion. I just start bawling and crying and weeping. And I didn't realize, I thought I was okay. I thought I could do it by myself. You know, we got me and my wife, we're in this. But once he hugged me, and then he started to speak to me the truth of God's love, that's what I needed. I didn't realize that. I was carrying so much fear. I was carrying so much uncertainty. But then the certainness of his love wrapping his arms around me at that moment and telling me it's going to be okay. God's got this. It's going to be okay. It breathed new faith in me as I was releasing the weight and the pain of what my family was going through, possibly losing our son and not being able to see him grow up. And that's the invitation why Jesus came here on this earth. He wants to invite us into a relationship with him. No matter where we're at, some of us, you know, we just started this walk with Christ, continue to embrace the Father-Son. Some of us, we've been walking with God for many years and we've kind of gotten off track and we've been doing it on our own. Continue to come back and make Jesus the center and embrace the love of the Son. That's why Jesus came to be here. So let's go ahead and bow our heads as we pray.